Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit williamhill.com or download the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Hello and welcome to Middle Please Umpire. My name is Miles Chupp and I am joined as ever by my co-host uh mr mark wood uh ashes winning world cup winning 95 mile an hour pace bowling person how are you mark i'm all right miles how are you yes i'm i'm well uh i'm sorry that you didn't win the world cup uh i presume that sort of thing's mm-hmm. quite annoying in your line of work mm, i don't know why you brought it up it's just certainly crashing but oh what a sad sight that is to see you sort of all Yes, no, you look... I mean, that's... The thing was, is that we lost and then had to get on a flight with the Australians <laughs> who had won. If you're going to lose to a team, it's probably better to lose to New Zealand than Australia, isn't it? Uh, especially if you're going to share a flight with them. I, I was a bit fearful, if I'm honest. I, if I'm brutally honest, I thought I thought New Zealand, obviously, top-class team. But the, I don't know why. They seem to have a poor record against Australia. And when Australia came into it, I was like, oh, this is typical. This week, we... we obviously thrashed Australia, but they're they're gonna win the whole thing here, aren't they? So it was a bit typical like that. But we didn't know obviously from an English point of view, we we got knocked out in that semi-final. Then we just had to wait until the end of the Australia game to fly. So we just had days of like basically nothing. All the other English lads went home apart from the test specialists. And it was just we were watching the, the final and stuff and we we're just like, oh come on, please not Australia. Please not Australia. <laughs> don't want to give them any confidence going into the ashes or you know, your rivals, you definitely don't want them to win. And of course they didn't. We were like, oh, we've got to get in the plane with them tomorrow. I suggested to you over WhatsApp that um, the England cricketers still there attended the final dressed in New Zealand tops. What Would that have created any sort of diplomatic hoo-ha? Or would that have been considered good fun, good clean fun? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure it had gone down well, would it? So um, for one thing, we, we couldn't get out the bubble, could we? So it wouldn't have been logistically possible. You're right. It's hypothetical. I don't know why we're discussing it. Not like all the other sensible things that we talk our way through. Um, now, you're you're stuck in a hotel room somewhere in Australia. Yes, I'm on the Gold Coast. We flew into Brisbane, tra- uh, travelled down here. Strange flight, actually. So we slept all night, flew in the morning, landed in Australia at 6am. Then that bit where you've, you've obviously been awake because you're not tired on the flight. Then you land in the morning. You've got to get through all of that day. Oh, I, was, I had to fight it three or four times. For some reason, you're going to laugh at this. I kept picturing a snake going through the sand of a like a sand dune, and I found it very comforting. And I kept like rolling my eyes back. 
making me want to go to sleep. You found it comforting? I don't know why. Like, the thought of it moving through the sand was making me want to just go off to oh. sleep. And Wolfie kept saying, he kept tipping your head back and opening your mouth, catching flies. I was like... There's that terrifying scene in one of the Blue Planets where basically... Uh, just hundreds of snakes all appear from this uh, oh, through a sandy beach at the same time. Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how the thought of a snake emerging from the sand could relax you after that, let alone lull you into sleep. Did you drink quite a lot of gin and tonic on the plane? Maybe sort of basically quinine poisoning, something like that. No, well, as a teetotaler, that would have been that would have absolutely tipped you over the edge. <laughs> yeah, I once drank. Have I told you this before? I once drank so much gin and tonic on a flight back from bizarrely Jordan. Been filming this John Stewart film that you dreamed that was snakes on a plane. I've heard of this before. <laughs> no, I, I when I got to the luggage carousel and I got off the plane, I Steve Steve Redgrave was there, and I I, I sort of enthusiastically joined him in conversation. We'd played one game together for the Lord's Taverners. He couldn't, he didn't know who I was. I pretty much sort of bear hugged him and said how great it was to see him, and started chatting away about stuff. He didn't start. He didn't start singing "Roo Roo Roo Your Boat," did you? No, 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 no. I've um. I just about well, I've been singing it so much on the plane. I was absolutely spent um, <laughs> as I was pounding the cabin <laughs> doors of the cockpit. I know you're rowing in there. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, I, those days are very much behind me. I um, have been I've been going up to Glasgow every week on a Thursday to film Frankie Boyle's New World Order, which I'm enjoying very much. But the tra- the train journey uh, between uh, so I've been. Getting changing at crew and going to Hereford, and it's a very different level of train. And I end up pretty much nearly always sitting on one of those folding seats in the in the vestibule. And this week I was sat there on the folding seat, and it became apparent from the first two or three people that came to use it that the lock on the loo door wasn't working properly opposite <laughs> the, the chair I was sitting on. So eventually, you know, someone would go in there and then you'd hear them faffing around with the lock. And eventually there was a lady and I said, I will, I don't think it works. Uh, if anyone comes along, I'll say that you're, you know, there's someone in there. And it obviously became a rod for my own back as I became, it was a very busy train and it became sort of my job effectively to say there's someone in there, you, you'll need to wait. And I was doing this for ages. And, uh, and I suddenly thought, God, if I'm going to keep doing this, I've got to really concentrate make sure that I'm right. And it was, I was sort of pleased with myself for doing it successfully. And then after about 45 minutes, someone came along and I went, ah, there's, there's somebody in there. And she was taking her child to use the loo. And I said, yeah, so there's somebody in there. The, the, the lock's not working, but there's, there's, there's somebody in there. And then someone else came along and said, is there someone in the loo? And I said, yeah, there's, there's someone in the loo. And five minutes later, I thought, I don't know if there is someone in the loo. I wonder if someone's got out without me. And I said, do you know what? I think you actually better knock on the door. I might, I might be wrong about there being someone in the loo. And she went, really? And I went, I think, I, I think, I think maybe someone. <laughs> I must have sounded demented out of context. I was going, I think someone's got out of the loo without me noticing. And she went and knocked on the door, and there was no answer. And then she opened the door, and there was no one in there. And she looked at me, and I went, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've not got visions of people on the train being like. I'm desperate for the toilet, but I don't, I don't want to go near that wacky toilet man. <laughs> just... The wacky toilet man, yeah. Who's who's made him the gatekeeper? <laughs> so you should have started charging. Yes, uh, that's 20p you may enter. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Or I won't, or I'll just let people barge in. No, I felt very stupid. I'm not going to sit there again because I don't I don't want to take on that responsibility because it started to it started to weigh on me. But apart from that, apart from that, it was all right. And I went up to Manchester on Saturday to do um take part in a sort of university challenge alumni, you know, the sort of alumni ones. That... I love university challenge. I just like whistling the theme tune. Let's, let's have a little blast now. Just a little treat for our listeners and me.
That was uh, that was surprisingly moving. Oh no, it hasn't stopped. <laughs> I can't believe this is how I'm spending a morning. Is I'm sitting <laughs> zooming, sitting on a Zoom call with Mark Wood. I see. I mean, it's my fault. I told you to do it, but once it started, I began to realise how ridiculous this is. <laughs> I pride myself on me on me whistling. Oh, really? I actually put it down once as one of my hidden talents because I didn't really have one. So I was like, I'll just say I'm a good whistler. I don't think it's hidden. I think you're very open about it. Well, uh, it's uh, it's time to play uh, Mark Woods' a whistling jukebox. Uh, Mark Woods, you've already <laughs> blown our socks off with uh, a lovely moving rendition of the University Challenge theme tune. Uh, please, can we have uh, Bagpuss? No, but I will give you this one. Stop laughing. I was what is that? I mean, it was very good, but what is it? The Antiques Roadshow. Oh. <laughs> Could you whistle um, Balamori? Uh, the main theme tune. You're meant to come in there with the bad, but anyway. It's more of a duet than a thing. Now, because it's Zoom, our... Uh, uh, <laughs> production team uh, turn off their cameras so I can only assume that if they click their videos on now there would be two men sitting there with their heads in their hands wondering what the fuck we are doing with their time let alone ours um, okay you're through to the next round welcome back we're through to round three of uh, what am I whistling uh, our guest today is on an incredible run of form it is uh, uh, Durham and England first bowler Mark Wood uh, he's got here with some incredible renditions uh, so Mark um, can you t- tell me what you're up to at the moment are you just in quarantine going mad yes in quarantine i'm on day six at the minute of 14 we've been um we're doing a little bit of fitness a bit of fielding so who's your posse who's who's out there then and you're sort of strange little offshoot so it's yeah. me milan mark chris wokes chris wokes that's a nice group isn't it yeah and then we've got obviously chris silverwood paul collinwood james foster jeet patel uh, the doctor, the physio. Uh, so we've got a we've got a nice. Group. So you've got as many support slash coaching staff as there are players. Yeah, you live a life spoiled, spoiled un- rotten, eh? A life of unparalleled luxury. So you'll be going to meet up with the rest of the squad soon. Are you're all staying out. Yes. And how? I mean, I mean, you've got there's six of you and there's six support staff with you. I mean, how many support staff are there already in Australia? Thirty, forty. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fair few. The problem is that when we, when we join up together few of the staff and that leave because obviously we're trying to keep both groups training oh yeah so there'll be a few at least but there's, there's plenty here so um plenty of experience as well um obviously john lewis graham thorpe's with the other group and um, steve elworthy's helping out, out that other group as well obviously yeah he's um been doing a bit of sort of team manager work and stuff i think so he was one of those players that was faster than they looked he would sort of trot in and then it was really fast and skiddy so you'd get quite a few people just bowling very straight, sort of LBW. You think, God, oh, that was on them quickly. Yeah, Bruce French is with the main, main uh, squad as well. Wicketkeeper. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of... Do you think Bruce French is one of those people that looks younger now than he did when he was a player? Mate, he's still ripped to shreds. He does climbing. He climbs everywhere. So any building, he'll just climb it. Or like he'll, if we've got a day off, he wants to go up the mountains and climb. No harness, nothing. Just gets up so strong, his hands and... Um, yeah, he's uh, he's incredible, Nick, for his age. Does he make you feel safe, Mark? Mm. If I was to ever fall, I feel like he'd be the man to save me. Be like Cliffhanger. He's actually, I think, going to be auditioning for the new role instead of uh, Sylvester Stallone in the, in the remake. 
I think it'd be odd for Sylvester Stallone to be in a remake of his own film. So I think I think from a casting point of view alone, that's quite good. But I do think yeah, I shouldn't really yeah, I kind of really get that past you. Can I consider that that's pretty much your line of work? Yeah, but I also though for, with my production head on, I do think, and I I mean I like cricket, but I think Stallone would attract more funding to the project than Bruce French. So. You know, there's arguments in both in both directions. Mm. But if if someone was to throw a snowball in the mountains that the, that the cliffhanger set, Bruce French would catch it with ease. Whereas I'm not sure Sylvester Stallone would. No, that's true. Yes, there's a lot of things to consider. I think probably what we need is Stallone can be in it, but French can be the sort of stunt double. Yeah, I totally agree. Like Mar- Martin Bayfield was the sort of Hagrid double, wasn't he? Who's your stunt double? Are you looking for one? Am I looking for one? <laughs> would you be? I um I have genuinely I've had a stunt double in something what was it it was a sort of costume uh it was, a, it was on sky arts and I, my character had to ride a horse and they said oh there's a stunt double you could do a little bit of stuff on a horse but then it needed to him to do sort of something quite terrifying i i've never seen anyone in any environment that looks less like me than this person on the Durrells, i had a stunt i had a stunt double i had to i was prepared to fall about five feet out of a tree whereas someone came along that was prepared to drop 16 feet and I said that was afterwards. I said that was so good, that was so good. I mean, it's such a long drop, and he just went and he went. I actually just fell out of the tree. <laughs> so what happens if at the Gabba, you know, we we'll get him, we we'll get Miles Stewart with a Wood Thirty Three shirt on the back? Could you charge in for me? Uh, I think even your run up would be too low. By the time I don't, I'm not sure I'd be able to deliver the ball. I counted your run up the other day. I was watching you. Is it like twenty two paces or something? Uh, so I think by the time I got to the pop increase, I would be, you know in need of a refreshment tent of some sort. And I think physically, I'm taller than you, Mark, but I th- I think, I reckon, even from a distance, I probably am not quite as ripped as you are. <coughs> so they'd be like, why is one of the England guys wearing such a tight shirt? That's really unflattering. It looks really, it looks like a cricketer from the 90s. Man, I, I've had to do the unthinkable today. I've gotten so much stick of Joss Butler, Chris Wokes, um, Malar and Basto about having hairy triceps and shoulders i've had to shave them because i've been getting that much grief i was trying to put the point across that one matter the footballing playmaker he has that hairy arms and that it's part of the creative genius that we have and they wouldn't have any bit set up horrendous um some had even you know mentioned hagrid other others had mentioned you know a forest disgusting vile so if you were to be my stump doodle you've got to you'll have to grow your i've got to lose weight i've got to be shorter I've got to become good at cricket, and I've got to stick hair to myself. I think that sounds... You're an actor, you can make it work. I think that sounds perfectly reasonable. Well, someone would would stick hair... I sent you that photo of me with a moustache on, didn't I, filming that psychiatric doctor in, in, in Poland. I can um, I can put up with stuff being glued to me, I suppose. I wouldn't be able to do it myself, Mark. I'd, um, it would be like, look like somebody had been pissed in the Build-A-Bear workshop. Um <laughs> Okay, right. It's time for the mailbag. This is uh, uh, actually our first topic, uh, playing board games with test players. Uh, This is after Will Good revealed he plays Guess Who with Johnny Bairstow. Um, I'd completely forgotten that. Um, We asked on our social media pages, are there any test players you'd like to play a board game with and which one? Uh, Marco says he'd like to play Hungry Hippos with Joss Butler. Neil Dutton, I imagine Virat Kohli plays Monopoly at a very competitive level. Uh, makes acquiring the stations his number one priority. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, James Dixon, uh, Screwball Scramble with Sherwin Campbell. Is Screwball Scramble technically a board game? Well, it sounded nice. It rhymed. What's the matter with you? You're being too technical. 
I just don't think it counts as a board game because it's not like a board with cards and pieces. It's a sort of single plastic Sheriff entity. Sheriff Campbell, that's a blast from the past as well, isn't it? 90s West Indies. I once, as a, as, a, as a teenager probably at the Oval, when they were doing their warm-ups, I leant over the hoardings and picked up a ball and threw it back to him that he was going to get. And uh, I'm not going to reveal whether he said thank you or not, but uh, I remember at the time being slightly disappointed by his behaviour. Okay, um... <laughs> Cricketers at petrol stations. This is, I mean, this one is. This will run and run. This is, this is the, this is the fire and the coal upon which this whole steam engine that is uh, Middle Police Umpire runs. Um, not in a petrol station, but as the uh, David Boone in Fenix tale seems to have extended things to cricketers and shopping malls. Uh, Tom in Leeds writes: I was in New Look in the Bullring, Birmingham, and walking towards me was Ian Bell with the look of someone who was fed up following his partner around shopping. Being absolutely starstruck, this was peak Ian Bell era, and what a decade that was, I couldn't pluck up the courage to say anything at all, so my brain decided the best thing to do was give the nod. He very kindly nodded back. Even though we didn't say anything, I could tell he was a very nice man. Uh, well, Tom in Leeds is clearly very insightful. He's very good at reading He's uh, reading people through their nods. Um, I've no reason to believe he isn't a nice man. I've no reason to believe that wandering around the Bullring, Birmingham, wouldn't send anyone eventually into a sort of depression from which they may not recover. I've been nodding at you for three minutes now. You've been nodding at me, yeah. But I'm not one of those people that can read nods. You're still not nodding. You're just blinking. Nod back. Oh, I'm not nice. Yep. I'm not oh. nice. That's what's happening there. Um, David Ashdown uh, writes, Hi, Miles and Mark. Uh, this weekend, my wife and I drove from Kent to Edinburgh and back for Scotland's Autumn Rugby International at Murrayfield against South Africa. We decided to listen to the entire back catalogue of Middle Please Umpire, and it certainly helped with our long and at times arduous journey. Does he mean helped us handle our long and arduous journey, or it made the journey feel long and at times arduous? Uh, forgive us, therefore, for being a bit late with this, but we had to let you know about seeing a cricket player at a petrol station, as this is a story we have often told. It was 14 years ago, and after a day of cricket at Canterbury, we saw the Kent captain, Rob Key, <laughs> buying a cold pie and a pasty, not sure if he got petrol too, at the SO garage just off the A2 near Dunkirk outside Canterbury. At the time, Rob was the Kent captain, and on realising we were Kent fans, did look a little sheepish, to say the least, at being caught in the act. Double parking with two big pastries there. Watch out, Keezy. But he looks after himself now, doesn't he, Rob Key, after his uh, momentary health scare? Anyway, Sky, great bunch of lads. Um, umpiring stories. This is from Glenn McIntosh. My son was playing for Wickham Thirds against Ryhope and got the batsman plum LBW, and the umpire promptly raised his finger without hesitation. The batsman, unhappy with the call, walks down the wicket and questions the umpire, to which he reversed his decision with the explanation that he was only stretching his arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important, I think, if you're going to umpire, especially at recreational level, that you are very, very, very impressionable uh, and slightly scared. Uh, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's just not how the game should be, is it? Uh, from Andrew Deer, while bowling for Woodridge seconds at local rivals Melton St Audrey's a few years ago, I bowled a perfectly straight delivery, wrapping the batter on the pads. It was one of those LBWs where the batsman could have walked. We all went up for the peel and turned to the umpire, expected to see the finger raised, only to find the St Audrey's player slash umpire with a complete befuddled look on his face and a mobile phone in his hand, <laughs> saying something along the lines of, uh, I was looking at my phone. In a way that this implied, in a way that implied this was completely normal and acceptable behaviour. <laughs> Just a few weeks later, because if I'm umpiring and I, I don't do it often, but I, when people appeal, I, I panic and put my finger up. That's always what happens, and then I have to withdraw. Um, just a few weeks later, while playing away in another Suffolk village for the first eleven, another LBW appeal. 
Uh, obviously, he's been he was promoted. He's moved up to the first to the ones now. Uh, this time, the league-appointed umpire did raise a finger to spark the celebrations. These were immediately cut short as the batsman shouted, For fuck's sake, Alan, not again. I can't remember the umpire's name, but we'll go with Alan. <laughs> to which the umpire duly apologised and overturned the decision. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I am a very mild-mannered person, but I still think of these incidents on at least a weekly basis. <laughs> He's been stuffed twice there, hasn't he? It's very unfortunate. Perhaps... Um, well, perhaps, uh, perhaps the spirit of fair play is not alive and well in the Suffolk leads, uh, right, right in the Suffolk leagues, right, right in. If um, if I'm being unfair, this is from Michael Schenk. I have a story involving both an umpire and an unfortunate injury. Uh, my best friend and I used to play for our local club, Second Eleven, Shelford CC. At the time, they were not famed for taking it very seriously. Indeed, in my first match, wicket-keeping for them, first slip spent the opening over rolling up cigarettes in preparation for the rest of the afternoon. To get to the point, my friend was called up to bowl one afternoon and began marking his run-up for a spell of fearsome slow to medium pace. He ran in to bowl his first delivery, and mid-action he managed to catch his hand on his pocket as his arm swung round, sending the ball backwards and directly into the crotch of the umpire. <laughs> the poor umpire doubled over as everyone else tried to work out what had actually happened. As the laughter died down, the umpire stood up straight, removing a box from his trousers with the unforgettable phrase, Better safe than sorry. <laughs> what... <laughs> What a heartwarming end to that uh, otherwise terrifying tale. Um, well, thank you very much indeed, as ever, for sending in um, those letters. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's, it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again. So look, if you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Do you remember Bruce Oxenford had the had the it looked like a um, thing you'd measure with in maths. It looked like a like an angle, you know, compass looking thing that he used to wear on his arm that if the ball got hit back, he could deflect it. Do you not remember that? It wasn't just him, was it? I thought that I thought that was a thing that was brought into T twenties quite often the umpire. I just remember him having it in international cricket. I remember he him wearing it and maybe they'd asked him to trial it. You know, often worried if they ran past him that he could just stick it out and I'd be in a lot of trouble. Well, because that because there's been so many sort of horrific injuries with how hard people hit the ball straight back in the uh, the white ball game. I think they had started bringing that in as sort of protection for umpires. Well, they brought helmets in and the big bash and stuff, didn't they? For umpires, do you fancy you go at the big bash? Uh, maybe one day, but at the minute, like, you know, I'd, I'd want to put all my priorities to England. So, absolutely, Mark. That is that is the correct. That's the correct answer. Two points. Um, is there a, a franchise T20 in New Zealand? There is, yeah. That's what I'd fancy doing. I reckon that would be a nice, just a nice atmosphere. Win or lose, everyone will be very nice, very helpful, very kind. Um, and you could and you could play under Kane Williamson. So you're trying to say? Uh, yes, I, I don't. I don't know if I'd be able to make my way into a team that was good enough to have. Kane Williamson in it, um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. They just seem so nice, don't they? You could probably like say, "I'm only here for a week. Is there any chance I could play today?" They're like, "Oh yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'll get uh, I'll get uh, Mitchell sat there to sand down if you like, and you can uh, can you field? I'm not really very good. Oh, don't worry. We'll stick you out on the boundary there somewhere. Maybe stick you on the forty-five. Can you bowl? I can't really bowl. Don't worry. We won't give. Can you bat? I can't really bat. In you come, mate. You're just absolutely welcome. I think that would be the kind of that would be the kind of vibe there. I actually felt like I was in New Zealand there. I I love New Zealand. I really I like England, Mark. Very good team. I I, I think I think you represent um, the English and Welsh counties. Why are you shaking your head, Mark? Because this is you all over, isn't it? 
come on, New Zealand. Whenever we're, I mean, you'll be cheering for Australia next week. Mark, you, you, you've taken this and you have run, may I say, far too far. <laughs> Should we take, introduce our guest anyway? Take that back. Um, yes, God, it's the ashes soon. I'll give you a clue. Unfortunately, he's not a New Zealander. Oh, God. I might just go. Uh, no, who is it? Talk me through it, Mark. Tell you what, Mark. Why don't you give me some of those clues that you're so good at doing? Bearing in mind, we both know who it is, but it's still, it's really, it, I, it means I can actually be more honest about the quality of the clues you're giving in a funny sort of a way. And he once in the humming game did a hum to Dr. Drain Snoop Dogg. Ooh, Bruce French? No. Okay, give me another clue. Okay, he wears contact lenses occasionally. <sighs> Jack Leach. Correct, Miles. Boom. Yay! I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner, as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. So, the guest this week on Middle Please Umpire is no other than Super Jackie Leachy. Hello, Leachy. Hello, Woody. How are you? I'm good, mate. So sat here in the McCure Hotel, which I no doubt you broke free of. Yeah. You you must be in Brisbane now. Yeah, we're in Brisbane. Um, nice to get out of the McCure. Um, yeah, it was a long 14 days, but I'm um, glad to be out. And um, yeah, life's very normal. I can report in Brisbane. So you'll be... Um, You'll be buzzing to get out, no doubt, and we can't wait to see you. Oh, I see. So you've still got this sort of division going on then. I mean, I spotted Lichi from the balcony. That's the only interaction we've had. So although we're in the same bit, we've never even come across each other. Can't wait to just embrace again, Lichi. Great men embracing. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you obviously, Night Watchman, Supreme, uh, Slow Left Arm, Magnifico. Owner of possibly the most famous glasses in cricket? Yeah, apparently so. I think the hero of Headingley. Because, uh, you know, you can't win games like that with 10 wickets down, can you? Let's uh, let's be practical about it. Have you have you come down from the buzz of 2019? Has the, uh, were you the one person in Britain whose stuffing wasn't knocked out by, by the pandemic? It, uh, it feels a long time ago now. And um, I guess in sport we kind of move on quite quickly and it's on to the next thing. But, yeah, I guess over lockdown... I did actually watch it for the first time during lockdown and um, it was more nerve-wracking watching it back even though I knew the result um, than <laughs> it was actually out there. So, um, yeah, it was um, an amazing day and um, I just, 
yeah, very thankful to Ben Stokes for doing what he did. Um, and to be part of it was was pretty special for me. Is it nerve-wracking because you think you've got such vivid, almost chemical memories of being in the moment that even though you know the result, everything you felt at that moment still you know, comes back, it's still there on the surface? Um, yeah, there's certain things that come back, but at the same time, you kind of like forget other you watch it back and you forget other bits um but I could only remember a couple of balls that I faced and you know I couldn't really remember any of the others so obviously I remember the one and I remember facing one ball from Nathan Lyon and I think I remember well actually I remember Stokesy with his head down when I was facing to one of the balls (laughs) and I had to quickly I remember to concentrate on the ball rather than... I was really annoyed that he was, like, looking down. <laughs> so I was like, what if I hit this and we need to run? Like, But he obviously knew that that wasn't the plan. So, um, yeah, I think um, that those are the kind of things I remember. And I just remember the crowd as well. It was amazing. What about watching the uh, the uh, the missed run out back? How did that, how did that make you feel? Glee- gleeful or terrified? See, for me, that ruins it. I can't really watch that and... Um, it kind of, I guess it's like, just reminds you of how in those amazing moments in sport, how much luck plays a part. And um, I guess, yeah, it, it all went to plan, but, you know, I could have... Oh, there was a plan, was it? What we need to do is get a really low first inning score <laughs> and then slowly claw our way back until the last <laughs> afternoon. We've got to get five days out of this pitch. Uh, I, it's really amazing to hear that these things are planned so much in advance. Miles, speaking of planning, Leachy's now, the, well, me and Guy planning for the Ashes because everybody's like, how are we going to play Cummins? How are we going to play Leach and, um, and Lyon? Leachy's just stepping forward now, isn't he? Of course, but when I got my one nut out, I just sort of nudged Cummins here, ducked there, straight batted him here. Planning done, mate. Well, it's about building big scores, isn't it? And uh, you can't do that without scoring one every 70 balls or so because you've just got to... It's about, it's about <laughs> taking momentum into the game, isn't it? I'm very, uh, I'm very envious of uh, the assiduousness of your um, glasses cleaning uh, work, Jack. I thought to take the time in the midst of that, uh, I was very impressed. And I wondered... I mean, there was just so much steam you were generating. That's, I mean, that was what was incredible. It was very reminiscent of... I'm sure people tell you this all the time, the um, scene in the car below decks in uh, Titanic where DiCaprio and Winslet... Um, at it like knives. Just that sheer volume of steam that was generated, Jack. It was quite impressive. It was a quite an emotional journey you took us all on. Yeah, I think um, well, obviously wearing face masks as well when you've got glasses on it kind of takes me back to that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Every day you think, I'm going to go, can I go to the shops? I'll go, I'll go to Boots. I just want to be reminded of what it felt like at Headingley. <laughs> but, um, no, I, um, I still haven't quite worked out the glasses thing. I don't know if you can help me, Miles, but um, <laughs> obviously out here it's going to be so hot and I'm just really concerned that um, if I bat for any period of time, like even a couple of balls, I'll be sweating. And <laughs> Yeah, Miles, in your experience of test cricket in, in foreign conditions, how would you do the uh, the glasses? I would have um, laser eye surgery, but but I would have had it <laughs> I, I would have had it before I left Britain. I don't think before the ashes I would walk in as an English test cricketer in Australia and ask a surgeon to operate on my eyes without expecting it to go very seriously wrong. I'm expecting Leachie to take the next level here and come out like Chris Gill. So not just the sunglasses, that not just the glasses, the sunglasses, but the, the special ones where they've got his own lenses on, but they're the, the light in the light, and then they go dark when the sun comes out. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, the sort of, the sort of glasses my parents have started wearing for driving. Uh, <laughs> they cover most of your face. Because uh, it's a nightmare. With, with You won't know this, Mark. You've got such a such a sort of privileged, easy life. But wearing a face mask and glasses is ba- it's just asking for trouble. 
there isn't a single a board on a high street that near you that you won't have sort of crashed into the whole thing is it's absolutely merciless out there i think the laser eye surgery people have done really well out of covid i wouldn't surprise me if they'd been in on the whole whole thing quite frankly um now listen how are your how are your preparations going Leachy? we obviously train quite a lot in the lockdown period and um or in the quarantine period um and then we actually have our first warm-up game starting tomorrow um i mean rained for quite a lot of today and apparently there's more forecast i've not seen rain like it it's very um heavy rain and it keeps going for a while but once it stops you're pretty much straight out there so um yeah i think i'm hoping to play a three-day game in the next uh few days i love a good storm it's it's great to watch you literally that you're a storm fan you were out there the day weren't you walking the streets i've seen your instagram yes i was yeah i went with uh two old folks (laughs) For breakfast, so um, no, it was, um, <laughs> is this a sort of service you provide? What, what? <laughs> yeah, we have to keep an eye on uh, Jimmy and Brody, Yeah, <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Help them cross the road. Make sure they don't yeah. dribble when they eat their food. Listen to them talking about Spitfires. Yeah, <laughs> it was the mud in the trenches. That's what really frightened me. You thought you could be lost in there. <laughs> Never mind the gunfire. Did you get that box in your room, Leachy? that I've got here in the McCure. Yeah, with all sorts of goodies. Yeah. So basically, Australian cricket, I'm sure it's a ploy by them. I've got sweets, I've got yeah. crisps, I've got Tim Tams, I've got the lot in this room, in this box. <laughs> so your nutritionist, if they come and, uh, if they come and confiscated it then? Well, they, uh, Emma said, um, if you don't want it, like she wrote on the group at, right at the start saying, if you don't want it, like get it out of your room and they'll come and collect it. So I ate all the crisps, but I didn't, I'm not big on chocolate and sweets, so I, I actually managed to get rid of them. Woody, how did you get on? It's all gone. I can tell you that for nothing. I don't do a bad day. Appalling. That is appalling behaviour. What? I mean, how big? How much bowling have you done in Australia before, Jack? Have you? You'll have en- endless nets. But if you, how much? How much game time have you had in Australia prior to this? So I actually played six months in Brisbane. Uh, almost 10 years ago now so after university I went I came out here for six months to play for Valley District Cricket Club and yeah so and then I've had th- three months in Perth um, on another occasion so I've played a little bit um, but um, yeah and I came on a Lions tour as well so oh, a lot, quite a lot then it's been a decent amount and obviously the club cricket over here is um, quite competitive and um yeah, they're all really nice to Englishmen, and uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, the mental side of preparing for cricket in Australia, I suppose that's quite. It's all very well being super super fit and only eating crisps, but it's the other sort of the harshness, I suppose, that has to be dealt with. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, we we went to the Gabba today, and actually experiencing that was amazing. Like I, I had watched from there, but I could didn't remember how close it feels, and um, it feels like it will be a real good atmosphere and you'll definitely be able to hear what people are saying to you so um, yeah <laughs> is that the one though is that the one it's got the dressing room sort of under the ground you can't kind of see the playing area at all from there yeah that's right yeah it's all a bit sort of prison break that kind of vibe i think how, how did you enjoy club cricket Leachie? i played on the gold coast here for i came back three times um how did you find it in the club cricket in brisbane did you was the conditions good did you enjoy it what was it like yeah i found it um really i mean 10 years ago i wasn't particularly good at cricket so um <laughs> I um found it quite quickly it was um yeah I guess the conditions were different and um but yeah I, I really enjoyed the challenge and um the guys really did you do well 
looked after me. I did okay, but I wouldn't say I um, set the world alight. I actually opened the batting for a little bit. I was going to ask what number they let you bat in club cricket. Yeah, I mean, I started down the order and then we were having such a shocker that I ended up going up the top. And um, yeah, so um, that was a good challenge. And Woody, I was actually with a few people last night from my old club side and they were saying that they remember you playing for the Gold Coast team and um, you bowled absolute rockets. I actually didn't actually didn't do that well either. To be, to be, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't do that well either. I, I loved my time here and club cricket. I would say the the thing that the probably the most I took away from it is actually helped me grow up a little bit. Like first time away from home and stuff. And I f- feel like it was a massive like learning curve like that. But actually I didn't tear it up either. I didn't um I didn't find it easy by any stretch. So um it wasn't until I've come back obviously when I played the one day stuff with England that actually I was a bit like, oh I hope I'm I'm not a club level standard here. <laughs> but the main thing was like it, it by playing cricket all year it helped me grow up and because now you seem, if I may say, very, very mature, Woody. I was um, going to say that. I, think, <laughs> I was going to say what you like before if you grew yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, this is the finished article. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Got my back. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> As a result of attending the Australian Club Cricket Finishing School, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is where you find yourself. Um, what are you looking forward to most then about the Ashes, Jack? Um, winning it. Yeah. That would be good. That would be the one. Because also, you're you're an aura player now because you've done what you've done because you've been part in, I suppose, an event that will have absolutely kind of just mollified them at the time. You know, you you can go around with a bit of bit of swagger. I'd have thought. I just want to, I guess, keep my nut down. <laughs> I think um, basically it's just to um, yeah, really enjoy the the challenge. I mean, I really love playing in 2019, and um, you know, I was really happy with how I kind of. Uh, reacted I guess to the big occasion because I guess some you know when you haven't experienced it you're not sure how you'll kind of react to those challenges so um, it's made me really look forward to this one and um, obviously I don't think there's anything better than um, you know or more challenging than than coming here um, in an England squad to play in the Ashes away and like so that just really excites me you know to, to win the Ashes down under would be unbelievable well, what are you looking forward to most? The, the flight and gale, F and G, up and down, dips past Steve Smith's bat and you get him out, all the Barmy Army singing Leech for the Stars again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the song comes out after I've done that. And um, yeah, that would be perfect. Is that their song for you? That's what, is that the S Club song? Yeah, so me and Leechy, Leechy made his debut in uh, New Zealand then. I've got you and you've got me. So, Le- oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolute dance floor filler, that one. And that was that was the song. Me, me and Leechy were like looking at each other. I think I was at like, I would have been at like, I don't know, backward point or something for the for Leechy bowling. And we both like looked at each other and were like, this is amazing. <laughs> Leech for the stars. We're all putting their hands up. It was amazing. Can I was going to say also in that game how well you batted in that first innings, Woody, and then um, you got out on the last ball of the of the of the, the old ball. So then the, I came in on debut to face the new ball, and I was absolutely yeah, 79.5, <laughs> wasn't it? I got out, and you were in for the eightieth over. New ball, character building, Miles. Yeah, you see yeah. how I pushed him that, and then he's getting in the ashes, worn that out. Basically, I think that's as much me as him. Yeah, yeah. Do you not think that? It's all about, I suppose. Ultimately, you, you've arrived in Australia now, Jack, knowing that you've been you've been pressure tested. Basically, <laughs> uh, there was the sort of the little Headingley hurdle to get over, and then the much bigger one facing the new ball in uh, New Zealand as a result of 
one of Mark's characteristically wild swipes. I was batting under instruction, he always says. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They said, go and leave one that hits leg, Woody. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy if I um, walk past Woody again and uh, on the way into bat and he's going around the ground with his bat. Um, yeah, no, that would be if that happens again. Do you think the fact that obviously some of, some of the heroics with which you're associated are batting ones and that does that mean that in a way you could think I don't I'm happy if people talk about me scoring what 90 odd at Lords or batting at the end there at heading because it means that you can just get on although you're a frontline bowler you can in a sense you can sort of do it under the radar slightly you can just sort of quiet quietly get on with it um no not really I think it makes me hungry to kind of like um get the same sort of um or people sort of recognise me for my bowling as well and yeah. have some of those kind of real match-winning uh, performances with the ball. I still feel like I've impacted games in um, positive ways with the ball. Um, but, you know, I, I guess those kind of... Um, those two batting occasions are quite um, unusual, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think also, though, you've done that thing which not necessarily a lot of... British spinners have done is bowling well in spin friendly conditions which sometimes seems to I don't know if it's just very daunting or whatever but sometimes places associated with spin like India and Sri Lanka it's almost like people turn up there and think oh I'm supposed to do so well here I don't know if I can, I can almost whereas that is another challenge that you've you know overcome very successfully so I mean to me it's all stacking up to put you in a good it worked hard at that though I remember India literally was doing drill work a lot talking about, you know, lines, practising those actual lines um, of bowling and changing it up. You would constantly ask batters, wouldn't you, Leachie, in the nets? Is, how does that feel? Is that like you were working on a new ball, weren't you, at the time? Was it not one that, in those conditions, because they had one that, you know, every ball would spin sharply, but then they also had one that would kick on straight. You were doing both those in the nets, weren't you, constantly working at it? Yeah, go underneath the ball, really, so then actually it hits the lacquer rather than the seam and then it skids on, like that's what, Axar Patel did really well yeah. and um, you know almost you know when we play in England um, I guess you're trying to spin every ball as hard as you can and because the surfaces are uh, like decent and not always going to spin loads then like you hope that um, with what you put on the ball will make it spin and, and whereas I guess in somewhere like India actually the, the um, skill is maybe to make it not spin on a spinning wicket going on with the arm um, is lethal because you can't really pick that as a, as a batter. So um, that's almost more dangerous than a, a rego, sort of a, a more traditional arm ball that's like a seamer where you can actually see the difference in seam and, and then you can play it a little bit easier. And you did the crease thing, didn't you? You worked different points of the crease, I remember when we were here. So some you were tighter, some you were wider. That, of course, would help, you know, some that spin and some that don't. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think... Um, I think I hit one of Leachy's balls in every net. <laughs> I went past my outside edge. I hit his machine. <laughs> Remember the net where we batted together at tennis? Yeah, that's my favourite net of all time. That. Me and Leachy bat together in the Caribbean. Obviously, what happens is you get through all the top-line batters and then they all want another bat. So at the bottom of the order, if you're like a lower-order lower player, you often have to like pal up with somebody, so you're batting in pairs. So we've gone into the spin net, me and Leachy together against Joe Denley. And... I'm trying to call out every ball that I think he's going to bowl, bowl to us. And no matter what he bowls, I'm playing that shot. So me and Leachy had the funnest net you've ever seen. Like He's bowling hard volleys and I'm trying to back foot pull him and getting bowled and stuff. 
stuff. And then out from two nets along, Mark Ramakash, the batting coach at the time, just pulls his head around the net and starts looking at me and Leachy. We were like, oh no, we're a naughty boys. Oh, we yeah, better yeah. start batting properly. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those occasions where you'd like, like you're not meant to laugh and it makes you laugh even more Dennis was laughing running in because he knew what we're doing yeah Dennis was finding it so funny as well <laughs> and then you that that was the game you played and got five wickets so I think we need to have more nets like that well some would say that you have to be professional while preparing for England whereas I say let's just you know do whatever we want I think I'm sure there's room for both isn't there <laughs> I mean you don't want to be sort of you don't want to be just having your jaw clenched the whole time and be miserable but also you you having to sort of remodel your action slightly I mean that's a big that's a big thing when you're you know having a role like that that requires so much rhythm how I mean is the mental side of that is presumably the is the difficult side definitely um yeah that was once I understood what was going on, I guess it was it became a lot more mentally easier because I could see that it wasn't something that was helping me, and that actually it was going to I was going to be stronger for it. Um, but I think still uh, the worry is kind of like what I, I never thought that I wouldn't be. I, I actually thought I'd be better for it, but it was more how people would take it, and you know that's seen as as cheating um and I wasn't trying to cheat and and I guess like I'm someone who kind of feels like they've got quite good morals and and so for me that was really hurtful that actually what I was doing was not allowed and um that was the hardest thing for me kind of getting over that side of things the issue is actually that uh, England were touring India and um they were losing <laughs> they were losing and people were saying why was I not selected and you know, there's a big kind of thing about that. And I was like, oh, God, this is the worst thing possible because it's going <laughs> to come out because, you know, ECB were quite good about it. They said, like, only these people know. You can just go and remodel because it, it didn't come from an umpire. It just came from some testing that I did because I got made the Lions squad. Mm-hmm. And then they were, or it was the last day of the India. Only England would do that, wouldn't it? Malinga, get in there. We need to have a look at your action. <laughs> 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 I suppose because you were one of those players, Jack, who was talked about a lot before you made your England debut. We'd sort of heard a lot about you. It wasn't as like, yeah. you know, you were ne- you were never a surprise pick, I suppose. And that comes with its own, yeah, uh, you know, baggage attached to it, I guess. Well, I was lucky. I got to play on some good spinning wickets um, at Taunton, and that really progressed my development. And yeah, and took- got me out. <laughs> well, there you go. What what more of a confidence builder could a young bowler need? <laughs> <laughs> I realised I could play for England when I got Woody out. (laughs) (laughs) Thing is, I didn't know Leachy at the time. Obviously, I played with Joss, and uh, Leachy was good friends with Joss. So I'd never known this bloke before. Um, First ball, like it's a spinning wicket. I've just slogged it and got it somewhere. Next ball, dipped. I've tried to do it again, stumped. As he's about, he's just like, Woody! <laughs> As he's <laughs> running past it. I thought, I like this lad. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> it's just, I felt like I knew because Joss was just like, I, I got on really well with Joss, you got on well with Joss, and I just felt like I was best mates with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favourite moment at playing together? This is this this is um, in my Silla Black style again. This is to number one. This is to Jack as, as a as a special moment. Well, we did a lot of twelve man together last summer, and I was going to say the same thing. You know what? I was going to say the same thing. He kept me going 
all summer. So I, I think like, you know, we went through some ups and downs together and um, yeah, that felt like where we got really close, I feel. Um, even yeah. More so. Yeah, I think um, I thank Woody for helping me through that summer. We, we, we did the, we did the uh, sort of lockdown test matches, the West Indies and Pakistan and England together. And we were obviously Southampton, Manchester, and it just so happened that me and Nietzsche were always the ones, you know, not selected. And um, we were doing the 12th man a lot. And we kept talking about Negative Town and the train rolling through Negative Town. And um, <laughs> we, Leachy had to pull me out a couple of times and, and get me back on the track. So, uh, yeah, we, we, did, uh, we did well for each other that, that couple of months. The one on field for me is obviously making my debut in New Zealand um, and Willie being in that side. Like, um, obviously, I think your debut is quite a special moment. And um, the Barmy Army at that Hagley Oval, like, it was amazing. And... Um, like Woody was such a supportive um, teammate in that in those few days, and made me feel really welcome. And so, how welcoming an environment was it? We talked to a lot of guests, I suppose, about um, that that sort of first English dressing room that you joined. I mean, our very first person we interviewed was was Gower, although it wasn't the first episode that went out. But we, you know, the, the vivid how vividly he was able to recollect walking into that England dressing room. What can that still is that is that a moment that you can replay in your mind even now? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, Cook was playing. Um, you know, you had Jimmy and Brody, Woody. Um, We'd just been bowling for 50, hadn't we? The game before. Yeah. In the pink ball game. I was 12 man for that game. I'd just arrived and um, <laughs> that first session and Ru- I remember Rudy going to me, don't worry, test cricket's not always like this. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, so um, that was a interesting uh, start, and Ed Sheeran was there, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it. Honestly, I'm still I'm still raging with our media guy, Danny Rubin. Danny Rubin came into the dressing room that game and said, "Right, Ed Sheeran would like a cricket bat. Does has anyone got a spare bat?" So I'd just been on like a Lions tour earlier on the trip, and I'd managed to hit Mitchell Johnson for six. Horrible to hear about someone like that. Someone like that being on their rappers. Mate, I'd just hit Mitchell Johnson for six with this cricket bat, and I thought, right. I've got this cricket bat, Danny, but if I give you this bat, please can Ed Sheeran give me a guitar? Yeah, 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 not a problem. I'll be able to sort that for you. I give him the bat, never had to be seen again. Could not believe it. I'm still absolutely raging about it. That bat, Ed Sheeran doesn't know how good that bat is. If you're listening, Ed, and Christ, what are the chances? Uh, but do sort, <laughs> do sort that out. Leachy obviously left a lasting impression on Ed Sheeran because he did a song about him, didn't he? I'm in love with the shape of you. <laughs> the shape of Leachy's bullet. Yeah, exactly. It was about the shape, and he's got. A, there's a follow-up one about the drift. Uh, like that. <laughs> what What do the Barmy Army sing to you, Woody? You can't, it can't be as good as Leech of the Stars. Please just get a dot. Just get a dot. Just get a dot. Please just get. <laughs> what would they be? What are the great wood wood songs? Knock knock on wood. I suppose. Woody, what is yours? Uh, shake it up. Shake it up, Woody. Now twist and shout. When I when I was in India in 2006, they used to. Have you been there? They, have you? Have England, did I mention it? I've only I've only written one book about it. The um, <laughs> they played um, <laughs> the last of the summer wine theme tune. They would play whenever Hockard was bowling. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad they've sort of slightly energised their uh, their playlist now. Should we ask Leeching um, the Super Over? The Mark Wood Super Over. Yes, I think we should. 
Oh, is it time? Right. Um, you, you'll know all about this because I know you're a keen. In fact, you're not just a keen listener to the show, are you, Jack? You're you're you're, you're the first guest we've had on that has previously been a correspondent. Uh, you very kindly wrote a letter uh, to to Middle Please Umpire about. Oh, how do we put this? About Woody's love for me, essentially. And um, and now here you are, almost like a prize uh, for sending in your uh, your, comp- your competition winning letter. Here you are, finding yourself as a guest on MPU. So you'll know exactly... MPU, I've never... I've never... That's how I write it in my diary. I've never said it out loud. I think that feels a bit over-familiar. Um, so you'll know all about Mark Wood's super over. Um, you'll know that it's timed by me using my what's left of my Fitbit. Uh, it's 90 seconds, isn't it, Woody? Yes. And are you ready, Super Jackie Lee Chief? Oh, well, I don't know what this is. Oh, Christ. Miles. Okay, yeah. And he calls you Juppy as well. I mean, he doesn't call you Miles, he calls you Juppy. It's as if he's our best friends and he's just said that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let, let's let's talk. We, we can get over our disappointment later. Let's talk you through the rules now. <laughs> don't think, just talk. It's a sort of a bit like that song, Don't don't Talk, Just Kiss, but it, it's different. Like the net against Denley. Don't think, just play whatever shot comes to your head. On your marks, get set. Go! Uh, make of your first cricket bat. Miller Champion Hall. Most random celebrity in your phone? Um, uh, oh, I don't think I have. Mark Wood? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Favourite sandwich filling? Um, um, uh, ham and cheese. Oh, great option. Your club needs you. Will you score or umpire? Umpire. Name a song that's recently been stuck in your head. Well, I know what it'll be now is your song from the Barmy Army, Shake It Up, Woody. <laughs> Name us, um, Mike Gatton is coming to dinner. What will you cook to impress him? Mike Gatting? Yep, he's coming for dinner at your house. What are you going to cook to impress him? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, I will cook him sausage and mash. Lovely option. <laughs> um, you're about to do a run out you're going to kick the ball to stumps and shout a footballer's name who are you shouting um Shira <laughs> right knocking down doors da, 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 da. I've that got was... two left man okay you can have you can have a bonus round you can have a bonus round because I'll be honest here it's not you that's been slow Mark uh, two, two more <laughs> two, two more questions knocking nine doors knock knock ginger or knock and run? Uh, knock, knock, ginger. And finally, Jack, you've come to the wicket. What guard are you asking for? Middle, please. Umpire. <laughs> yes! It's full house on Jack and Lee <laughs> There is finally redemption. Very good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone think harder about... This is the thing, Mars. I'm anything. Really, I'm slow. I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what we haven't discussed, Miles? The last thing we should talk about. Do you remember when I told you that in the house, I sometimes pull in swingers and out swingers with me wrist. Jack Leach, I've seen this in hotels and, you know, reflective glasses. So, like, if we're out shopping, Leachy will go through his bowling action towards the windows. And I remember you had quite a lot to say about me doing that with my wrist. So have you got anything to say now, Miles? I... Well, only only that I've only played cricket to an extremely low level, and I spend an inordinate amount of my time playing air cricket, I suppose, and just and not even like the spectacular stuff, just like sort of trying to play with soft hands and getting above a rising ball and things like that. So if I played, 
if I played at international level, I honestly would not have time for anything else. So I, I can I can certainly empathise. Also, Mark, the detail that you've missed out is that this was something that you told us that you did pretty much exclusively in bed. <laughs> yeah, my wife wasn't happy. Now, perhaps we should be worried that Jack does things in shopping centres that you do in bed. But nevertheless, you know, this. <laughs> to be honest, it seems more natural to me, his, his approach to it. I am... Um... I'm actually been in trouble with the physio for doing it because I've had a bit of a sore shin and they're saying that you need to rest like in between. <laughs> like you can't go back to your room and just practice your bowling action. <laughs> you do too much. Yeah. I've been banned from doing it. So if you were wearing, if they left your, what are they called? I call them the data bras. What are they called? The Sports bra. Sports, the things that you put on that, that measure all your steps. GPS, the GPS units. If you were wearing one of those in the course of a normal day then, out with training, I mean, could you get through, I don't know, a 15-over spell in TK Maxx or something? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in TK Maxx. <laughs> well, they've got the space, haven't they? They've got those lovely... be better use for it, frankly, than piling up shitty old coats on the floor. Yeah, it's bad. Like uh, It's a bit of an... Um, addiction i'd say like if i see a mirror i just want to bowl in i just want to bowl into it and um yeah i need to need to know how to stop that because i just think what am i going to do when i retire like will i still go through my bowling action or will i oh literally don't worry but honestly it's not a reflection on you <laughs> oh my that was unbelievably high end uh also high end miller champion hall is your first bat i always think of that as a sort of very a very sort of posh and fancy maker back Miller Champion Hall. You know, like... Uh, he's loyal. He's loyal. Ask him who he's with now. Who are you with now, Litchie? Miller Champion Hall. Oh, the loyalties to the good. roof. I can feel it coming up the screen. But are they are they a West Country uh, bat brand? Yeah, so they're based at the, at the at Somerset Cricket Club. Um, oh, are they? But it makes it very easy for getting kit and stuff, which is good. One of my ambitions at the moment is to get, get together some like-minded people and get... I live just over the border in Wales. And uh, Taunton is my target as a day to spend um, quietly getting pissed watching some county cricket. Uh, so hopefully I will get to see you at one of those. And perhaps you could take me and 11 drunk people around a bat factory. I'll get them to take the mirrors out, obviously, because that will slow the tour down as you're continually distracted. <laughs> as a result of this podcast, I was given a given an absolutely as a beautiful bat. But uh, I'm not, apart from that one, I have to well, say... That's right. Yeah, yeah. It had a lovely red mark right in the middle, um, and a little pointed arrow saying, "And he sent me a guitar." Actually, he won't. In a way, he won't leave me alone. <laughs> I think he thinks that I'm just a sort of general point of contact for you, would he? Um, well, uh, thank you very much for thinking so hard about those genuinely simple questions, Jake. That was. <laughs> I think that's a good way of doing it, though, because some people have a real scattergun approach. Some people. I mean, Taufel panicked and said he had the Dalai Lama's phone number, which still seems incredibly unlikely. How can you answer about a sandwich filling without thinking of all the sandwich fillings and then deciding which one your favourite one is? <laughs> You're right, yeah. I'm amazed you answered any of them without, without getting out a piece of paper and a pen and going, right, let me write these down first, because I don't want to... Right, cheese and ham, oh, cheese on its own, <laughs> cheese with pickle, cheese without pickle... <laughs> 14 <laughs> sides of A4 later. Yeah, I think it's just cheese. Well, I've got my head. He's like, egg mayo. fourth. Yeah. <laughs> egg mayo with cress, egg mayo without cress. Now, do I prefer mustard or do I prefer... No, it's good. It's good that you do these things thoroughly. I just did a university challenge at the weekend and you had to answer things really quickly because that man, he shouts, come on! If you're sort of... 
if you think for, I don't know, maybe seven seconds or whatever, and if you get something wrong, he's like, no! It's <laughs> it's an unbelievably aggressive environment. Imagine it's like being coached by Darren Lehman. So uh, I don't assume he's aggressive. He might be delightful. I wish you a very successful Ashes series. I hope you spend as little time in a bib as possible for cricketing or personal reasons. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I hope that uh, between the two of you, you can avoid either of you spending too much time um, chuffing through old negative town. Uh, Jack Leach, English cricketing hero. Uh, thank you so much indeed for being on Middle Please Umpire. Thanks for having me, guys. Beachy. Well, there we are, Jack Leach. Great man. You seem remarkably close, you two. You're very good friends. Yeah, great man. I think uh, someone that's, you know, in the team is a... If people would look on the outside, they might not know, obviously, what kind of person he is, or they might have a perception, but honestly, he's, a, he's one of the best team men to play with. Really puts a shift in for everybody. Great around the dressing room. Brings loads of energy. And, um, yeah, someone that, you know, I feel like I'm particularly close with. I also think, aesthetically, left-handers and left-armers, there's something about them, no offence to whatever... 90% of the population but the it just looks lovely what watching people do things left left-handedly and i think you know i used to love watching tufnell i thought tufnell had a beautiful bowling action well not 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 that it's bad in england but to watch him abroad he was honestly he was yeah brilliant to watch when he was in india and sri lanka because he looked like every wicket he was going to get a uh, every ball he's going to get a wicket sorry and yeah. um like just the to see the way that he gets at the spit in particular, um, like even our best players that like you think of Sharma in India, Sharma, this that he struggled um, coolly. Like none of them found it easy against Lichi. So yeah. it just tells you how good he how good he is. And I suppose it's also like what what strikes someone like me who thinks they know about cricket, but only from a fan's perspective. When you just hear the two of you talking about things on a sort of t- properly technical level. You just think it's just there's a there's a whole game that people like me li- literally don't know about. You know, we might sit there watch you go. Why has he done that? Or what's going on here? And it's just the, the sort of the levels at which the game is being played, sort of unnoticed. He's a big thinker, mate. He's a big thinker. Like he tinkers with stuff quite a lot in the nets. Little intricacies. He works Jupiter Patel things that, like diff- slightly different grips, slightly different angles, and the, he, he constantly talking about the way the ball's coming out. I mean, I've batted against him in nets where he's actually asking me, you know. Is that drop in there? How is that there? If I've got a fielder here, what's it like? So he, he's a big thinker of the game and, you know, constantly trying to improve. And I think, you know, people might just take it for granted that he just bowls and tries to land it there. But, you know, every ball, he might be trying something slightly different or he's tinkered with something. Or... Well, we've learnt what a big thinker he is today. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the care and attention he gave to those answers. Um, I expect you'll get a call in a minute going, I've changed my mind on that ham and cheese. I think it's... <laughs> I was just thinking, it's actually about the butter. Well, I mean... I love watching Jack Leach in an England shirt. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. People, uh, thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode of Middle Please Umpire with our superstar guest, Super Jack Leachy. Continue to write in. We we love your letters. Perhaps send in um, sandwich fillings that you think that Jack Leach should try because I'm not sure he's considered all the options. He's not he's not given it long enough. And um, uh, as ever, please continue to send uh, checks and postal orders addressed to Middle Please Umpire. And so this episode is uh, probably the last in the series. Third innings. The third innings, Miles. 
the difficult third innings. So this could be the last episode of the series, or perhaps, who knows, perhaps we'll have a surprise episode next week in which we uh, interview Chris Whitty about his views on um, medium pace and whether too much of it in the county game is uh, is killing the test game. Uh, so uh, goodbye from me, Miles Jupp. See you, Juppy. It's goodbye from me, Mark Wood. I'm sorry, but the person you've called is not available. Please leave your message after the tone. The Wood Star. Um, mate, thanks for having me last night. Loved it. Um, random one. Need you to send this on to Juppy. Um, after last night, obviously, with the sandwich fillings and stuff, I had a ham cheese, Dijon mustard. Ham Swiss cheese, Dijon mustard, lettuce and tomato sandwich at the ground today. And it was outstanding. Um, so I just wanted Jappy to know that actually ham and cheese was not the right answer. Ham, Swiss cheese, Dijon mustard, lettuce and tomato is the correct answer. So, um, you know, I thought about that answer for maybe 10 seconds, which was a long time, but having thought about it for 24 hours and consumed and tried a sandwich slightly different, that is much better. Cheers. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been. Sports Social Podcast Network.